This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. It is your favorite time of the week. Yes, it's your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. And we're really sorry that um, we did not get to visit with you last week. There was a lot of Super Bowl drama building up here in Atlanta, um, which made it difficult for me to get to the studio. But also, I think that um, we were kind of rebelling against the whole Patriots movement, mm-hmm. low key. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, Tarika? And I live here, y'all. Man, somebody come save me from all of you live there. You live in Connecticut. This is still considered New England. So the the amount of Patriots fans that I am surrounded by is very numbing. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Well, the Patriots won. I'm happy that we're back to women's basketball. Yay. Me too. (laughs) And there was not a lot of traffic in Atlanta. I made it through the weekend with my best friend and my cousin in town. We had a very nice time. So, yeah, we missed some time. But... The the moral of all of this is that football is over, <laughs> which I'm so happy because now we can focus on the round orange basketball. Um, and there's a lot that is happening that we missed. Um, so we're going to have a great show today uh, talking Pac-12. It's a big weekend for Pac-12, Stanford in particular, as they will be hosting um, two top 10 teams in the Oregon State beavers and the oregon ducks Mm -hmm. so um tar vanderveer is going to be on our show and i'm just always honored when i can talk to the hall of famer she gave me a history lesson honey i tried to say well you know tar you started all this and she was like uh back up nah every time i talk to her she just sets me straight um and so we're grateful for her so we'll talk to her about her team about the pac-12 a lot of different things um the dunking sensation um, Fran, and I, I, she said I said her name right. Believe me, you did. Yeah, which is nice. Um, if you've seen the viral dunks on your Twitter, Instagram, all those different things about the Stanford commit. Yeah, we're going to talk to Tara Vanderveer about her. Um, and a, and a host of other things. We're also going to have Michelle Smith on the show, who is our resident Pac-12 voice. I also want to give the Pac-12 a shout out because they do have their own podcast hosted by Mary Murphy and, um, I love Mary and their whole Pac-12 crew. Um, Lasia Clarendon's doing game. Um, Kate Scott. Like, we all cover all conferences, but, you know, there's obviously Pac-12 network folks see the teams more than we do. So we invite the experts in because me and Tarika don't know everything. So, yeah, we're, we'll have Michelle Smith on to talk about Pac-12. And then also Kyra Elzey as we give our We Back Pat shout out this week. Um, we back Pat week was last week, but we are inviting former Tennessee lady Vol Kyra Elsie on the show, who will talk to us about the SEC win challenge that she and her husband Dexter started that we're hoping that you will give to because it's raising money for a very important cause. The Pat Summit Foundation in memory of um, the late great head coach of the Tennessee lady Vols, Pat Summit, um, your support of the SEC Win Challenge support and financial contributions get us all one step closer to finding a cure to end Alzheimer's. So we will have Kyra on, but a couple of things on my notebook that we're going to talk about. Tarika, can I talk about them now or do I have to go to the first quarter? Um, First quarter. Okay. First quarter. Okay. First quarter. We got some things we need to discuss because there's so much going on in women's college basketball. If you have not heard North Carolina, the Tar Heels, 
Sylvia Hatchell's team is um, making some noise. Now, they're outside of the AP Top 25 this week. They were in my AP Top 25. They beat two top 10 teams. Um, not only did they take down number one Notre Dame, but they also gave the NC State Wolfpack their first loss of the season. There are no more undefeated women's basketball teams um, in college women's basketball. Uh, that's right. NC State Westmore's team has gone down to North Carolina. Paris Key. I'm just going to say those two words. If you have not seen Paris Key play, you need to. She is the key to Carolina's success. She is going to be a pro. Um, just a player that is silky smooth, has a beautiful pull-up game from mid-range, from the three-point line. She's an outstanding passer. Um, a team that is become very scary. Charlie Cream has added them to his bracket for the NCAA tournament. But anyway, um, big things happening for the Tar Heels. Utah as a team we'll discuss later with Michelle Smith. They are on the map big time. Um, out of the Pac-12, they beat number six Stanford. Stanford was number six at that time. Um, they had not beat the Cardinal in 23 meetings. So shout out to Utah. Um, Holly Rowe would love that. She's from Utah. In case you guys didn't know that random Random fact. <laughs> um, speaking of Charlie Cream's projections, he has started his bracketology. You may want to check that out. UConn is not a number one seed right now. Uh, the Connecticut Huskies, who recently lost to the Louisville Cardinals, are the number five team in the AP poll. It's their worst ranking since 2007. So Gino Ariema and company are still figuring things out. But if you call, you know, a couple losses figuring things out, then you know what? I'll take it <laughs> because we all know. UConn's probably still going to be in the Final Four. Exactly. Uh, right. <laughs> like, let's not get shook. Um, but it is a, an interesting piece, and keep your eyes on things with Charlie. Also, we're seeing a lot of mock drafts right now for WNBA. Um, we have officially hit free agency announcement time. We're expecting at any moment amount, uh, an announcement about the status of Maya Moore for this upcoming season, which is huge, huge um, for the WNBA um, want to backtrack real quick. Uh, I, I mentioned that loss to uh, Louisville by UConn. Shout out to the Cardinal, which I don't know why they're not, why Louisville's not the number one team right now in the country. It just doesn't make sense to me. No disrespect to Baylor, but um, we can debate that if you want to at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter. I think that Louisville has earned the number one ranking. Um, what a fantastic performance against Louisville by, excuse me, against UConn by Asia Durr and, and Dana Evans. Um, Durr is arguably the best player in the country. I mean, she and Sabrina Ionescu are right there neck and neck, but I mean, Asia Durr is just, what did you tweet about her, Tariqa? I, I said she's, she's mind blowing. I just like, she just do what she want to do. You just give her the ball and give her a hardwood floor and she just does what she wants to do. I mean, the, the fade away with the one leg kick. Uh, okay. Hashtag anyway. night. Hashtag night night. Yeah, let's just put that to rest. Um, also want to give a shout out to Shakila Hill, who has been on our show before. Um, the guard for Grambling State has notched her second career quadruple double. The first player in NCAA history to have two quadruple doubles. She recently had um, 21 points, 16 rebounds, 13 assists and 10 steals in a win over Arkansas Pine Bluff. 
Yes, Grambling State is a historically decorated, historically black college in, in university, HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to make sure we give our HBCU some love, especially mm-hmm. to Kyla. We do not need to underestimate what she is doing. Um, it's fantastic. So show her some love on social media. Congratulations. She's just so humble. I love hearing her speak. Um, Tariq and I are actually going to get her back on the show. But if you haven't checked out our podcast with her, um, please do. So shout out to Shakila. And last but not least, we got the announcement last night about the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Yay. Yes. Um, first of all, to a couple of good friends of mine that I just want to give some love to, Ruth Riley. Um, and also Tisha Pinachero. I'm so happy for my friends. Um, so deserving. Tisha Pinachero is mm-hmm. the best passer in the history of the game, period. Let's not even, don't even make me, yeah, she's the best. Um, and then Ruth Riley, the great from Notre Dame. Also Detroit also Shock. A, yes. Yes. You said what? I said also Detroit Shock. Yes. Oh yes. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, also the Detroit shock, but, um, two people that I, I know very well and have known, um, and are just, I'm just happy for them. Also, Norlin Finch, someone who I've known since I was an intern at the ACC. She was at that time at the, at NC State as an administrator, but is now, um, an associate commissioner at the ACC and has announced her retirement after this season. Norlin has had a great impact on the game as a coach. She actually coached at Wake Forest, uh, my alma mater, but was longtime assistant to late, uh, great coach Kay Yao at NC State. Um, congratulations to Norlin. Joan Cronin, who is known for her time as administrator at uh, the University of Tennessee, who did fantastic things there, especially during Pat Summit's tenure. Um, Beth Bass, who was the former executive director, CEO of the WBCA, who alongside Betty James just helped our game to make great strides. Um, so congratulations to Beth Bass, Carolyn Bush Roddy, um, Valerie Still, and the AIAW Trailblazers. Um, so congratulations to everyone. Um, there were fantastic people who were finalists that didn't make it. Hopefully they will. But the induction ceremony is June 8th, 2019 in Knoxville, Tennessee. And we need to grow this event. Like it needs to be bigger. There needs to be more people there, more coverage. Um, so mark your calendars for June 8th, 2019 in Knoxville, the 2019 induction of the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame class. Congratulations to all. Um, and with that, enjoy the show. Tar Vanderveer. Michelle Smith, Kyra Elzey, sit back, relax, and um, yeah, have fun. Second quarter, inside the huddle. All right, basketball fans. Well, I'm excited because um, we don't get to have Hall of Famers on our podcast very often. Um, Tariq and I just are not that important, but <laughs> we feel very important today as we are joined by none other than the one and only Stanford head coach Tara Vanderveer. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thank you, LaChina. It's very, uh, very nice to have me on. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Well, um, your Stanford basketball team um, has had a very good year. Right now, you're number eleven in the AP poll. Um, you're eight and two in the Pac-12 standings, which is just ridiculous. The talent in the conference, but just give us an idea of kind of what the journey has been like for this team um, this season. Uh, well, we're trying to, um, you know, I think you know we start out with um, some, you know, really high goals, and 
Uh, I think a couple things, uh, unfortunately, a couple injuries have really kind of set us back, but I feel like we're, we're back on track. Um, you know, the first thing in coming into the season, um, you know, with our returning starting point guard, uh, Marta Sneezek, she's out. Uh, so we kind of had to adjust to a new point guard, but I think Kiana Williams has done a great job. Um, then we got going in the season, and one of our freshmen who had been playing extremely well uh, got hurt. She was out for eight weeks, uh, Lexi Hall. Um, and then we uh, won another. The starter that came in for her got hurt, Anna Wilson. Um, and then we started Pac-12, and unfortunately on our first game we uh, lost two people, uh, Nadia Fingal is out for the season with an ACL, and then Maya Dodson was out for a month with um, a stress reaction. So I feel like now, you know, hopefully we can just our number one priority is to keep people healthy, and uh, we need to, um, you know, we've gotten Maya back now, and I thought we had a really good game against Cal. Um, I think we're uh, we're very capable of beating anyone, but you know, as I tell a team, we can lose to anyone too. Um, but hopefully with everyone healthy, um, we can make a, a really a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Take us inside, Coach. I'm just so intrigued by how, um, obviously, you've done a, a fantastic job of moving the pieces around when players get hurt, right? Like, that's something that coaches have to face. You face throughout your career. What happens in those conversations, or what's the first thing or the process of figuring out how to retool a team or how to move pieces around mm-hmm. when you lose someone due to injury? Well, I think it's um, I think it's really hard, and you know, obviously, the later in the season that it happens, the harder it is because you know roles have been defined, and you know, people have uh, kind of you know they've gotten you know you've gotten used to playing a certain way. Um, I think in our team situation, um, it's kind of the next player up attitude, and you know, for us, um, you know, Keanu Williams, Keanu Williams has stepped up and done I think a very good job at point. Um, you know, we're playing a very young team. Uh, for the most part, the people that get major minutes are, with the exception of Alana Smith, who's a senior, and DJ Carrington as a junior, everyone are, everyone else are freshmen and sophomores. So, you know, with Keanu Williams, uh, Lexi and Lacey Hall, um, bringing in uh, Maya, uh, Alyssa Jerome, they're all young, young players. And so, uh, you know, with young players, you – you're going to have some slippage, and we do. But um, I'm I'm really proud of our team, how hard they've worked, and um, just how they've stuck together very well. And this has been a really uh, what's been exciting is this has been a no drama team, mm-hmm. you know. So they just you know play hard and do whatever they're asked to do. And you know we've had some really good uh, senior leadership and upperclassmen leadership, and um, so I just think you know we just have to keep improving, and we've got a, a big week this week, a, a big test. Yeah, um, you mentioned, we're definitely going to talk about that test, which is why we wanted to talk to you this week leading up to it. But you, you mentioned Alana Smith, and she's someone who has been um, in a lot of conversations about, you just, I mean, All-American lists, obviously, just she's been fantastic, 6'4", very skilled. Um, you know, they're talking about her at the next level in terms of, you know, the WNBA. She's on in the first round of everyone's mock draft. Uh, you've mm-hmm. obviously been around every level of the game. What do you see in Atlanta that you think could stick um, as a pro? Uh, well, her versatility, um, you know, she's, uh, like you said, she's 6'4". She can shoot threes. She can 
she posts up. Um, you know, what I really like about Atlanta is that, um, you know, she, a lot of, uh, a lot of six, four players that can shoot a three, um, don't want to post up and kind of, you know, be physical on the block. And she, she does that. She really likes to get on the block. Um, you know, take the, um, take the uh, punishment inside and, and get to the free throw line. Uh, she runs the floor very well. Um, you know, she's got, she's got really long arms and, and good timing can block shots. Um, so I, I think she has a terrific future at the next level. And I think she'll, she'll only get better, you know, as she gets mm-hmm. stronger, as she gets, you know, her confidence is, is really high right now. Um, I think for our team, um, in some respects, we, she almost plays too much. Um, I wish I could get her a little more rest um, because I, I think that she could be, you know, she has to pace herself a little bit. And if she didn't have to do that, I think she could be more aggressive uh, defensively. Um, she could be on the glass a little bit more and uh, she could help us a little, you know, she could uh, even develop her role even more. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just remember her toughness. You know, I, I've only seen her in person twice, but, um, you know, watched plenty of film on her. But you're right about just having that size, but not being afraid to be physical. And, you know, we right. see Australian players in particular just come with a different type of skill set. And, and when I've had conversations with Penny Taylors and others and you watch Liz Cambage, a lot of them talk about how they're just positionless, you know, and how they're taught coming up you know and so we see size Mm -hmm. that has perimeter skill we see you know just a variety in terms of versatility um and that she can use both hands you know um that that you you could tell she's very comfortable on both sides of the basket um you mentioned the big week you have coming up um huge number seven oregon state and then number three um oregon ducks uh, coach, the coaching in the Pac-12 has just gone through the roof. I mean, obviously you started it, you established it, you're the bar. Um, but you know, adding a Kelly Graves and you, you just look across the league, Scott Ruick, and it's, it's just grown so much. When you have games like this coming up, what do you do with your team? Just knowing that these are two great opportunities, um, at home, um, to do something really special against two top 10 teams. Um, well, you know, I think for us, you know, every game, um, the, the league is very strong. Um, you know, as you said, you know, we have great coaches. Uh, um, I wasn't the first. I mean, I came into a league that, you know, USC had won two national championships. Uh, Billy Moore had been at UCLA, had won a national championship. Um, the Pac-12, the Pac-10 then, um, you know, was uh, a really uh, strong, strong league to begin with. Um, but a lot of people didn't know about the Pac-10 or Pac-12, and then along comes Pac-12 networks. And I think through television, now you're able to see, um, you know, the great players. And, you know, we've always had great players, whether it's, you know, been Lisa Leslie or Tina Thompson, you know, or, you know, Neka Chene Ogumake, Candice Wiggins. But, um, you know, uh, this is, uh, for us this week, it is a big week, um, you know, because we're, uh, we're, we're just trying to, you know, climb, you, you want to be in the top four for the tournament, um, but to even have a chance at winning, you have to beat these teams. Um, so whether, you know, Oregon State or Oregon, they're both, uh, you know, they have quality uh, players and quality coaches. Uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a great weekend. Obviously, some of the 
challenge with Oregon is Sabrina Ionescu, who you've seen a lot of. Coach, uh, in your time and just seeing players um, like Sabrina, what do you think makes her unique? Uh, Sabrina, you know, how many – I think she has the NCAA record for triple doubles. I mean, she has excellent size. Um, She's really a complete basketball player. She scores. She rebounds. um, You know, she has great assists, great vision. Um, you know, real competitive, uh, but she's surrounded by other really talented uh, players too. Um, you know, her her post player with uh, Ruthie Hebert. Um, you know, now they've got uh, uh, Aaron Boley helps stretch the floor with her three point shooting. Uh, Sobley three point their three point shooting um, is really extraordinary. Um, but that's also true with Oregon State. You know, they're excellent three point shooting team too. So. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for us this weekend is really defending the three-point line. Um, and we, we haven't done a good job of that. So, you know, we'll be challenged and uh, tested in that that regard. Yeah, when you think about Oregon State, you know, definitely my mind goes right to Destiny Slocum. And it's something we've seen a trend in women's basketball right now. I'm just curious your thoughts, you know, how, um, you know, the transfers, especially the graduate transfer situations for some schools seems to be just increasing the talent level on, on rosters and making huge difference. Like I think look at a team like NC State that just lost their first game or, uh, you know, who, who's been helped by transfers or a Notre Dame that, um, you know, Jessica Shepard or, um, you know, all the different uh, schools mm-hmm. that we see this happening. What, what are your thoughts just as a coach that's been around on um, what that has done for the game, good or bad? Well, you know, it doesn't really affect us very much, honestly, because we don't, we don't get transfers at Stanford. Um, so I really just focus on, you know, um, the challenge, um, you know, really, you know, looking at Oregon state, um, you know, Destiny Slocum has, has done a really good job for them, but Michaela Pivik has, has really been great for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and like Scott just really, you know, spreads the floor really well. And, you know, they're a three point shooting team. Um, you know, I think that young people, just like coaches should have the opportunity to go and play where they want to play. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't believe in the tampering and the, you know, that the coaches keep, should keep recruiting kids. Um, and, you know, you have to have some, I think restrictions on things, but um, you know, with tampering, but um, you know, it's um, you know, you only get four years and I think you should really maximize the four years you have and uh, really be somewhere where you really enjoy. I love it. Let's talk about, um, speaking of somewhere you really enjoy, um, someone we've enjoyed watching, and I hope I get the, or say your last name right. Is it Fran Belibi? Did I say yeah. that right, coach? Oh, yeah. wow. On the first try. Well, um, she's plastered everywhere and gone viral because of her dunking ability. She is committed to Stanford, um, Regis Jesuit High School in Aurora, Colorado. I mean, she's bringing an excitement to women's basketball that maybe we've never seen. I mean, her dunks are incredible. Yeah. <laughs> her athleticism. Uh, tell us a little bit about Fran. Tell tell the women's basketball fans listening well, about her. Well, uh, Fran is the daughter, uh, the oldest daughter of uh, two doctors, and both her mom and dad. Um, and Fran wants to be a doctor, so when she came out to visit Stanford. Uh, we went to the children's hospital and she met, um, you know, people there and she's a, a very serious, serious student. Um, she's a great basketball player, a uh, great athlete. She came to basketball late. Her mom and dad really didn't see any reason to play basketball. You want to study, but 
Uh, she convinced them that she could do both, and she's done both very well. Um, you know, her, her viral dunk, is, it's really extraordinary. I've never seen anything like it from a high school player or a college player. Um, so I think that, um, you know, as a coach, we're going to have to put in some uh, some alley-oop dunk plays for France. <laughs> yeah. um, we're really excited about the whole, cl- the whole class. Um, we have uh, another young lady from Colorado, Ashton Prechtel, who's 6'5", and uh, plays for Coach uh, Keith Van Horn in the summer. And I think they, they call her Baby Keith, uh, you know, 6'5", <laughs> passer, shooter. And what we like to do offensively is, you know, spread out and, um, you know, uh, run a lot of back doors and, and passing offense. I think she's going to fit in really well. Um, and then a young lady out here in uh, Pinewood High School, um, Hannah Jump, is a, a three-point shooting play- You know, She's a basketball player, but she's an excellent three-point shooter. In one game this year, she went 11 for 13 from three. Um, wow. uh, along with Fran, and then um, the last person to sign was actually the number one player in the class, uh, Haley Jones. And Haley's a 6-1 point guard, shooting guard, small forward and, and, and power forward. So she plays, you know, really any position on the floor, another positionless player who can shoot threes, pass the ball. And on both Fran and Haley played on the U S U, I believe U 17 team that uh, won the world championship. And Haley was named to the all tournament team. Um, So we're, you know, I think, you know, as well as we're doing, and we're very excited about this year's team, and we have very, you know, high goals for this year's team. We're very excited about next year, too. I mean, I'm listening to you, Coach. And first of all, I'll just say um, I, I, I love two of my favorite younger players in the country are definitely Dodson Williams. Kiana Williams, I mean, I remember watching her at the Jordan Brand Classic, and I was like, oh, my goodness, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you think about your sophomore recruiting class, and you and I'm listening to you, which let me just tell you, you're as sharp as ever as you remember all of these stats and things about your players coming in. So I hope that, um, you know, my I'm functioning at such a high level as I get up in years. But um, how do you stay relevant in recruiting? Obviously, the name Stanford is in Tar Vanderveer standalone. But have you been intentional at all in terms of how you've recruited in more recent years than maybe you did 10, 20 years ago? Um, you know, I think, I don't know that it's, re- it's changed that much. Um, you know, I think that with uh, social media and, you know, the all-star games and the USA basketball, the opportunity, you know, kids get together and they get, um, they get to know each other. Um, I think Stanford is kind of a self-selects. Like young people, you know, at some point know, I want the combination of great academics and great athletics. And, you know, playing in the league, I mean, there's there's really, it's hard to knock, you know, Stanford, if you can get in. The hard thing is getting in. Um, you know, we play in a great league. You, you get a, a degree from a great university. Um, you know, I think our staff works extremely hard at developing players. I think that's the thing that um, players come out of Stanford um, ready if they want to play professional basketball or if they want to go, you know, medical school or law school, um, all those opportunities are available and um you know we just and and i think um you know we want to we want to have fun you know it's um again we have a, a great young group there's they're very close they're really um it's a really special team um they're very unselfish they really are supportive of each other and um you know we need everyone to go where we want to go and 
I think everyone, you know, really understands that they're they're valued here. I love that. And, you know, I think you you hit the nail on the head earlier when you talked about you know, people finding their fit, right? Like, you know where you belong. And mm-hmm. we were all waiting for Haley to make her decision. And um, I mean, there couldn't have been a more hotly contested. <laughs> I mean, we, I had no idea what she was going to choose, but uh, it sounded like in listening to her comments and everything, she just felt like home, you know, and you want, right. in order to get the most out of kids, their values have to align you know, their their basketball aspirations have to align. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into those decisions. But congratulations. I mean, you guys have definitely Thank cleaned you. up. And I've enjoyed watching Fran. Just a couple more things for you, Coach. Wanted to talk about um, the Women's Sports Foundation creating the Tara Vanderveer Fund for, for the Advancement of Women in Coaching um, in your honor. And the fund uh, will honor your legacy, obviously, by providing fellowships for aspiring female coaches in collegiate sports. Um We've, we just hear so much about opportunities for coaching, um, for women, you know, and, and how the numbers don't reflect the, the percentages of players that are on the court, of players that have played. We're seeing more men uh, coaching women's basketball, even, even when you look at the, the grassroots level. Why is an endeavor like this important in, in your mind as we look to try to get more opportunities for women? You know, well, China, first of all, I'm, I'm, you know, really thankful that the Women's Sports Foundation has um, gotten on board kind of with this and spoke with, you know, we, I spoke with them about this. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just starting out. We had a, a great, uh, you know, it was a really, really nice party out here uh, last spring. Uh, uh, Billie Jean King was here, helped kick it off. Um, you know, ever basically, you know, from the passage of title nine, you know, saying, all right, we're going to have girls and women's sports and collegiately, um, you know, we're going to support women's sports. Uh, at the beginning, basically all the coaches were women because there was no money in coaching. Um, as money has come into coaching, uh, and there's more prestige and there's all the good things that come along with, um, you know, title nine and support of women's sports. Uh, also then a lot of men have, said, all right, well, I'm going to coach women's sports. And a lot of women have been um, either bumped out or, you know, not um, not developed for the coaching positions. Um, you know, you, you might be surprised by this, but in the ideal world, I think that a staff, a coaching staff for both men's basketball and women's basketball should be probably 50-50 to, you know, men and women, mm-hmm. um, because I really believe that men and women bring different things to, you know, um, an organization or to a team, but in, but, but no women are given a chance in men's basketball. Um, and so basically, you know, if, um, there's a hundred jobs, um, half the jobs right away go to men. So 50 of the jobs are for men. And now, uh, over 50% of, jobs in women's basketball are going to men. So you're, you're only talking about 25 jobs that even women are getting, mm. you know, out of the hundred. And, and to me, that's not fair. So uh, I think we need to develop and encourage women to be in coaching. And so we're doing an internship program. So a young woman that maybe has graduated from college has played, maybe even played professionally. And the uh, women's sports foundation is supporting women in all sports. It's not just basketball. But if there's a, a 
you know, a woman that wants to go into coaching, she can get an internship and go to a university and, you know, work with um, maybe someone like, um, you know, a, you know, a, a coach, whether it's at Stanford, you know, or Connecticut or at Tennessee or Texas or any, any place to develop as a young coach. And then that, that can, can maybe increase the number of women in the pipeline that can get jobs. And, you know, that's one thing, um, you know, I look at, um, I look at Connecticut and I think that Gino has done a great job of mentoring young women for coaching. And, um, I think that that's where, um, I think that that's what we're trying to do is promote women in coaching. I love that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You were explaining some of how it works, but basically the colleges and universities with collegiate athletic programs may apply for the opportunity to host a fellow at their school um, and they will hire through their own internal hiring process. Um, so it, it, you're right. I mean, you hear people say, well, where are the candidates? Well, this will be a pipeline. There will be, right. you know, women that are in these positions that you can grab from if you're looking to hire an assistant or you're looking to hire someone. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll already be there. I think it's fantastic. And, and thank you for the work you've done in advocating. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Like you said, it should be fair 50 50. And it's not on the men's side. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've got well, to find that balance. Also, um, you know, also uh, getting uh, women of color. And I mean, look at the look at the statistics of who's playing the game and where are the women of color getting opportunities to, um, you know, coach or be administrators, you know, or be trainers or video coordinators. And, you know, you just um, one of the things that's happening is, you know, as there are more, you know, maybe male coaches, they hire male assistants who hire another assistant. And there are very few women on uh, a lot of staff. And then the, you look at the DOB or you look at, you know, the director of basketball ops, you look at the, um, you know, the trainers and all the other people that are associated, the performance people, you know, sports performance. And women need opportunities and they need uh, the opportunity to develop and be in these positions and get these jobs. Absolutely. Coach, we're going to wrap, but I have one more question for you. First of all, congratulations on the announcement of you being inducted to the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame. Um, you recently became the fifth Division One coach with 900 games at one school, um, which includes uh, Pat Summit, uh, Gino Oriema, Coach K, Jim Bayheim. And um, when I read that list, and, and obviously Pat Summit is someone you've known, and we were celebrating We Back Pat um recently are there any things that you took from the time that you were around Pat Summit or from her career that um have maybe helped to shape you as a coach or that you think um young aspiring coaches should take note of well i think you know kind of um back in the day um you were friends with your other you know your colleagues and you know we competed hard against each other um whether it was you know, you know, we played each other every year, but we were friends off the court and enjoyed each other's company and, you know, shared, um, whether it's basketball stories or, you know, how to deal with a problem. Um, we helped each other. And I think that that seems to be, you know, kind of maybe a thing of the past. Um, you know, um, but I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I was really, um, I was really great friends with Pat and, you know, miss her very much. Um, and just, uh, you know, also I think, you know, having lost her, it just reminds me, you know, you've got to enjoy every day. Mm. 
Don't we all? We definitely miss Coach Pat Summit, and we're grateful for the legendary coaches we still have around like yourself that we can learn from. Um, Tara, thank you so much for your time. We are looking forward right. to the big Pac-12 weekend coming up. Uh, we right. appreciate you stopping I by. I too. i got to get going. So, <laughs> Thanks, right, Coach. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll see you on Sunday then with China. Yes, we'll see you then. Thanks so all much. Right. All right, basketball fans, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Tara Vanderveer, but stay right where you are because we're going to get more in-depth into the Pac-12 with Michelle Smith, and we will talk about We Back Pat Week with former Lady Vol great Kyra Elsie. Uh Fans, don't forget, if you want to interact with Tariq and I, you can hit us up at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter or email us at AroundTheRimPodcast at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at LaChina Robinson. Tarika is at SheKnowsSports underscore. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, whatever you want about women's basketball. Uh, we love to hear from you. And remember that you could be the first to get our podcast on the ESPN app, wherever you get your app. Go search, excuse me, wherever you get your podcast, go and search around the rim and hit the subscribe button so you could be the first um, to get us in your inbox when we have a new episode. And you will want to do that because there's a lot going on in women's basketball. Stay right where you are. Uh, more show right after this. Third quarter. Scouting report. Okay, basketball fans, sticking with the Pac-12, well, at least on this podcast, because our next guest could actually talk women's college basketball, WNBA, Pac-12, whatever you want. Um, please join me in welcoming the phenomenal, respected, genius, beautiful hairstyle and stylist. <laughs> what do I always say about your hair, Michelle? Wow. It looks amazing. Okay. Michelle Ooh. Smith, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Michelle. It's great to be here. Your hair always looks great. The color, you're the cut. Sweet. You're so sassy. You're um, sweet. Well, we are excited to have you on the show because it is a big, big week um, in the Pac-12. And we actually just had the opportunity to talk to Tara Vanderveer about the weekend she has coming up. And let's start there. Um, the Stanford Cardinal will host both Oregon State and Oregon, um, two top 10 teams. Um, Stanford's just falling outside of the top 10 this week at number 11. Just your early thoughts on what these matchups can mean for Stanford and what where you see Oregon State and Oregon right now in the Pac-12. Right. I mean, this is the biggest, I think this is going to be the biggest weekend in the Pac-12 regular season for sure. I think this weekend could very well sort of determine who's got the inside track for the championship in a really, really tough conference this year. Um, You know, I think for Stanford, you know, they split the weekend last weekend with Cal. They um, didn't play great at Cal. They played a lot better on Saturday and really took it to Cal. Um, Even as Christina Nigue at Cal continues to do amazing, amazing things. Um, Stanford was able to come away with a pretty decisive win to give themselves some good momentum going in. But Stanford was coming off two losses because they had gone to Utah and lost the week before. And so Oregon and Oregon State are coming in, and they're playing great. Oregon obviously is unbeaten at 10-0, and and Oregon State is sitting right behind them at 9-1. and But these are, you know, in effect, even though Stanford has just fallen out of the poll, these are going to be top 10 matchups that are going to determine a conference title, and it doesn't get bigger than that. It's great. No, it does not get bigger than that. Sticking with with Oregon right now, you know, I one thing I noted a couple podcasts ago about Notre Dame, and I've also said about Oregon is that um, I don't know that there are two teams or programs that have more pressure on them, right? 
of course UConn does um, always. But um, when you look at what Notre Dame was returning, you're like, okay, well, they've got everybody back plus Breonna Turner. They should win again. And then when you look at Oregon, everyone's like, okay, well, it was a surprise when they when Sabrina Ionescu and, and that freshman class were freshmen. And, okay, they were sophomores. They take their bumps. Um, but now they're juniors, and there's an expectation because of the talent level with Hebert and you know, that they're going to win. How have you seen Oregon handling that aspect of it, the pressure of they should be making a Final Four this year? Well, I mean, I think the interesting thing about that comparison is that Oregon um, Oregon isn't used to that kind of expectation in a way that Notre Dame is because it's always on Notre Dame, right? They're used to that. And and Oregon hasn't had that. I think this is a relatively new phenomenon for the program, even as they've been building up over the last couple of years. And so far, I think that they're handling it really well. Um, but I don't also think we've gotten to the portion of season where the pressure really starts to ratchet, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to get to the point where – you know, they win a conference title if they stay in this lane and then they go into a conference tournament that's going to be really competitive. And then you go into the postseason and and that's where the pressure really, I think, starts to get ratcheted up. Mm -hmm. But I also think when you've got a kid like Sabrina Unescu, who's leading the way, who just sort of eats pressure for breakfast, right? And, you know, (laughs) and you've got and you've got talent all over the floor and you've got offense all over the floor. I mean, my thing has always been in order to win a national championship you better be a team that can score like I think defense gets you a long way but I don't think defense takes you to a national championship I think you have to be a scoring team and Mm -hmm. Oregon has that Um, it was interesting because I chatted with both Lindsey Gottlieb Cal and Tara after their weekend games and said you know with Oregon what's the bigger priority is it being able to score with them or figure out some sort of a defense to slow them down because it's because when you've got player, when you've got a team that can score from all five spots, when you've got a team that puts up points the way that they do, you know, which is it going to be? Is it going to be, you know, keep pace on the offensive end and maybe give something up on the defensive side? Or is it going to be focus on defense and see if you can slow them down and then outscore them? Like, I think they pose an interesting problem. And I don't think that Oregon State is actually that much different because they shoot the three so well. And they're also really versatile with Destiny Slocum. They're making a huge impact. And Michaela Pivik having a great year. Like, these are two high-powered offensive teams that are going to come in. And I think Stanford's probably more well-suited to keep up offensively with either one of these teams than Cal is. But, you know, Cal's got a Nigue, and when they, when they hit shots, they're really good. When they don't hit shots, they're not as good, and they lose some games they shouldn't lose. But when they hit shots, they're a really good team. Yeah, it's you know, it's interesting to hear you talk about the defensive end because, you know, people don't realize that that's where Stanford's success is rooted, right? And I'll even say, you know, Scott Ruick has established a lot of that as well. That piece for Oregon has been the question, right? Like, you know, they can, they can score the basketball, but can they defend at the highest levels? Um, and and do I think that's what kept them from beating Notre Dame to advance to the Final Four last year? No. I think their offense actually stalled them and give credit to Muffet McGraw for that game plan. But um very interesting to see as, like you said, the stakes grow, the pressure's there, um, you know, how they perform on that end of the ball. But I do think that Aaron Boley has definitely given them a boost. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of growth more consistently, more consistency from Satu Sabli. Um, Kazorla is going to do what she does. You know, Ruthie is Ruthie. Um, but you know, as they get down the bench, you know, as they start to need more players, that, those are probably be the two things that I'll be watching is, you know, what happens with them from a defensive standpoint, 
Do they feel that pressure? But then also, um, you know, what what extended contributions they can get? Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about maybe a surprise for most people, and that's Utah. Um, yeah. <laughs> my goodness, actually, we got a long email from Kate Scott, who was giving us the scoop on Megan Huff, um, who seems to be just a player that people aren't talking enough about. She had 38 points recently against Oregon. Um, what do you know about Megan Huff and what have you seen about this Utah, this young Utah team that has, um, put themselves on the Mac in the Pac-12? Right. And, um, and in a, I mean, you know, I guess in a kind of a surprising way, Megan Huff is a really, really nice player. So she transferred from Hawaii, um, where she was a really, really nice player. But, you know, she's just, I think she's fitting into Lynn Roberts' system really well. Lynn's finally sort of getting her system in place in, you know, being at Oregon and, I mean, being at Utah and trying to get that whole system settled in. But, you know, Utah was a team that, if you looked at who they played in the non-conference, their non-conference season wasn't really strong. So they came in with a great record, and then it was like, all right, well, let's see. And then the first part of their Pac-12 schedule they weren't really challenged. They didn't have, you know, they didn't have any of the big guns on the schedule really early on. And then weekend before last, the Bay Area schools come in and then they sweep Stanford and Cal and you go, oh, oh, Utah's for real. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know, but you couldn't, but it was hard to tell for a long time because they didn't play a lot of teams that were really going to tell you how good they were. And I mm. think that they've, you know, Lynn Roberts will tell you this is a team without like an alpha player. This is a team that's just really kind of even keel. They've got a lot of young players who have been, um, you know, they've got guards. They've got. So I think that there's that she's building something really nice there. Megan Huff's having an incredible season that's getting overshadowed by the Iniguas and the Ionescu's and the Alana Smiths and, you know, the players who are playing on some of more of the teams that we expected to be really good but she's having an amazing season and I would say I would put her in the player of the year conversation I would not say she's a favorite by any stretch but if you're going to name the four or five players who are player of the year candidates in the Pac-12 Megan Huff has to be one of them yeah I mean I was looking at some of her numbers and I don't know that these haven't been updated in the last couple days but she was um, second in the Pac-12 in rebounds fifth in the Pac-12 um, and scoring behind Anigwe and Atlanta Smith, um, two of the four people that are ahead of her, um, 11th in field goal percent. She's shooting over 50% from the field, over 40% from three. But this Utah team is just really intriguing to me. It, it just goes to show how you can build in the dark, right? Like right. It, we didn't hear, we didn't feel it coming. But, you know, when you set that foundation, you get quality players in and, and they're believing in what you're doing. Um, that can go a long way because this is not this Pac-12 conference is is not for the faint of heart. And I'm just curious, you know, as we look across the conference, what other things are standing out to you? I mean, you know, obviously Arizona State has had a solid year. Um, we've seen even uh, Arizona has had some really bright moments this right. season. UCLA, we knew was going to be a rebuilding, retooling year. Um, and they're after, hanging in at six and four. I mean, like, I know. You know they've won. They've won some big games. I mean, they're hanging around in the top half of the conference. Cal is trying to build some momentum, and it's Cal, this is going to be a big weekend for Cal, too. They got one that they really needed against Stanford last week, but what do they do? But I think what's most interesting about the Pac-12, beyond the fact that there are such high-quality teams at the top of the conference, is that the bottom is better. It just mm-hmm. is. You know, I mean, Arizona's better. SC's got talent, and they will beat you. Um, you know, there's... You know, I mean, it's just there at the bottom of this conference is stronger and it's going to make for a really interesting postseason tournament. 
going to be a lot of fun. And Michelle Smith will be all on top of it. Michelle, thank you as always um, for your time and for the scoop. And um, my where pleasure. Can, where can we find you? Where can we read your work? Because you're also doing some WNBA offseason stuff. We want to know where yeah, we can follow so you. So I'm doing some stuff for Pac12.com right now. So I've got a couple of things a week going there. I am doing some offseason stuff for WNBA. I'm picking up the odd thing at ESPNW. I'm everywhere. You'll find me. <laughs> and we're so happy that you're everywhere. Michelle Smith, thank you so much for your time. And we'll be watching the Pac12 this weekend. Hey, if things get crazy, we might have to get you back on next week just to recap. So don't. You got it. I'll be go too far all right right, we appreciate it thank you fourth quarter out of bounds all right fans um well you know that tarika and i um have been very passionate since starting this podcast about supporting we back pat and all the things that the basketball nation and fans of tennessee and just fans of basketball in general are doing in memory of the late great head coach of the tennessee lady vols pat summit um, and right now we're excited to to welcome one of her former players who is now the associate head coach um, at the University of Kentucky, Kyra Elzy, to the show. Welcome, Kyra. Thank you so much. So honored to be on with you guys. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are excited because I've been looking from afar and learning more about your program and what you're doing um, as far as the SEC challenge for a while, tell us a little bit about how it started. And I, I know you and your husband were very passionate about trying to give back um, to the Pat Summit Foundation. How did this all start? Well, it started seven years ago. Uh, we wanted to do something to raise awareness uh, for Alzheimer's. Um, both of our grandparents. Uh, passed away from Alzheimer's, and then obviously Coach Summit, who was so instrumental in my life when she was diagnosed with early onset dementia, uh, wanted a chance just to honor her and give back to so many people that are battling this disease and the caregivers. So we decided to start the SEC Win Challenge. Um, obviously, Coach Summit loved the SEC. I am biased. I love the SEC. <laughs> Um, so we thought it would be an awesome way to bring a group of people together that love basketball and um, they could find their team and support them but still uh, uh, give money to the Alzheimer's Association of the Pat Summit Foundation. Yeah, I was going to say, tell us a little bit about the funds and in- how they're raised through the SEC Win Challenge, like how the money comes in and then where it goes. So how it works, so if you join, signed up for the SEC Win Challenge, you can pick your team. So say, for instance, a Kentucky fan will pick the University of Kentucky. They will follow us during the SEC season. So they can decide if they want to pledge per win of every time the Wildcats win or a one-time donation. So you'll get on um, the Pat Summit Foundation website. So you can sign up at patsummit.org slash challenge, and it will take you to the SEC Win Challenge. So there's a drop box that you sign up for your team. And so basically you compete in teams. So we've had South Carolina fans sign up, Florida fans sign up. So you follow your team, so you're still cheering on your team, but all proceeds go to the Pat Summit Foundation uh, for research for Alzheimer's. That is fantastic. So if their team wins, then they contribute. Is that how it works? Correct. So if their team wins, 
So say if you are a Wildcat fan and we we beat Florida and you are going to donate $10 per win, so that will be your $10 for that game. And every game that we win, you will pay per your pledge or a one-time donation. We have a lot of people that say, listen, I'm a South Carolina fan, but I just want to do a one-time donation to the Pat Summit Foundation to the SEC Win Challenge, and then we total it at the end. I just love the flexibility, right? Like they can, you can do one one game, you can do the whole season. Um, definitely. You can do the whole season. And yeah. China, it's not just for the, it is called the SEC Win Challenge, um, but we have a lot of people, other coaches who sign up um, and pledge per win for their team. So uh, Kim Mulkey has, Coach Mulkey has joined us. Coach Satia Messer has now joined us. So, um, Bonnie Henriksen at Santa Barbara. So we have coaches from all over that obviously Coach Summit sickness resonates with them and just supporting Alzheimer's and trying to find awareness. Yeah, I was looking at the at the website and you can use the drop down for the list of schools and then you have all the SEC schools and at the very bottom it says other. So you can and add other. your school in there as well, so which you is can nice. Add your school <laughs> in right now. Well, I was looking at the numbers and when this was posted, you know, it said that you had raised over a hundred and twenty thousand dollars for the Pat Summit Foundation. That's amazing. God is good. And you know what? We've had so many people um, that have supported this cause. Um, you know, I think it really just hits home to people. There's a lot of people affected by this disease. And to feel like that you're doing anything that can help bring awareness and ultimately to find a cure, uh, mm-hmm. that's the most important. And I think, you know, this disease is deadly. It's awful. But also it connects people that, that you know, there is hope. Mm. Absolutely. And we have to keep the hope alive because we've seen we too many to lives impacted. Um, you're right by this disease. And, you know, just would love for you to share with our fans before we let you go, you know, with this We Back Pat um, week where we celebrate the life and the legacy of Pat Summit. What are some ways that um, she has influenced your career or even just where you are um, as a woman now in your life? You know, words just can't describe how impactful and powerful um, that Coach Summit was. Um, I think she has instilled in me just, you know, just the humbleness, to be humble, uh, work ethic, um, you know, the drive to be just ambitious, go above and beyond the call of duty, and success comes with a price. But the most important thing that I learned from Coach Summit is pay your blessings forward. You know, always go back, give back, reach back to help somebody find their way. And I think um, all of the former Tennessee Lady Balls that played for her, um, they feel the same way. It's a sisterhood, and she wanted everybody to be successful and passionate at what they did. And if you're going to do it, do it well. Um, so anytime that we can honor her legacy and continue, um, just how impactful and and powerful she was, uh, we got to do it as long as uh, we have breath in our body. Well, you are doing it well and paying it forward with the SEC win challenge. Thank you. And again, to your husband and, and to everyone that is supporting this endeavor. And, 
Um, just want to say thank you for being who you are as well, Kyra. I mean, I get to watch you from afar and, you know, we're friends. We'll text every once in a while, but I, I probably just don't get to tell you enough that I see you as a role model. I see you as a fantastic coach and recruiter. And, um, we definitely need examples like you for, for our young women and for our women of color of, of how to be successful, how to do things the right way with class, with grace, with dignity. Um, you're now also a, a beautiful wife and mother. Um, so thank you for how you, carry the torch in so many areas and, and for being a role model. And um, yeah, we appreciate you and everything you're doing. Thank you so much. And we appreciate what you do. And thank you for all that you do for women's basketball. It means a lot. Well, you know, we love the game, girl. Thank you. Kyra. Yeah. We Thank you. We appreciate your time. And hey, fans, uh, you heard what Kyra said, www.patsummit.org backslash challenge. Um, so they can still sign up, right? Is it, can they still sign you up now? You can still sign up. And as we speak, I am about to auction off on Twitter. If you go follow me at Coach Elsie, um, the game shoes that myself and Coach Butts wore during the We Back Pack, yes. along with Holly Rowe and Maria Taylor. So you can, I'm about to auction them off now. So go sign up. Those shoes are so dope. I was jealous. I wish I had a pair of those. I might get on and bid. Now tell them your Twitter handle again, Kyra. At Coach LZ. At Coach LZ. So yeah, y'all might want to check out. Y'all might want to check out those sneakers because they're dope. Well, thank you so much, um, Coach, for your time and congrats on your, your, your season so far. Uh, we'll be keeping our eyes on the Wildcats for sure. (laughs) Thank you. You all have a great day. You too. All right, basketball fans, that is our show for today. And don't forget that Tarika has um, served as some kind of agent and has gotten assigned to a serious XM deal. Yes, I'm out I'm here kidding. making it happen. <laughs> it's not a deal. They just actually picked up our show. But we are on Sirius XM on Channel 84 at what time, Tarika? Um, just listening to you, Harris. Yep. Up. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll, we hope to have more details next week. You can hit Tarika up if you're disappointed in this advertisement at she knows sports underscore. But we are on Sirius XM channel 84. So thanks to Sirius for picking us up. Is that it? That is it. Fans, we clearly we've had enough. We 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 clearly are out of it right now. Yeah, we are out of it right now. Um, and just don't forget this weekend to keep up with everything that's happening in women's college basketball. Um, the big games on Sunday. Um, we mentioned Stanford, Oregon, Stanford, Oregon State, and just keep your eye on ESPNW.com. There's always good news, good articles. Michelle Vopel, all of our wonderful writers, keeping you up to speed on what's happening with our sport. Thank you. And Tarika is fired as our podcast agent. <laughs> I'm so fired. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.